Welcome to All Things Terror. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Emily. And this is a research podcast where we bring you terrifying tales from science, history, and true crime with a with a little bit of personal stories on the side. More more personal stories than Clint wants to listen to. Yeah. Uh, this episode, we are particularly uh, antagonizing him. But we we love him. We like him. He's he's part of the crew. I mean, let's be honest. We're all pretty abusive with each other. So, <laughs> and we all deserve it. <laughs> That's true. Do you have a Halloween costume? Yes, I should have t- posted a picture or sent one to you yesterday. So where I live, I live really close to a brewery. Um, in it. It's a brewery that allows dogs on the outside, and every year they do a dog costume contest, and every year, this is the third year in a row, Felix and I have had a couple's costume, (laughs) and we lose soundly. Like, we're not ever even considered, which hurts me a little bit because it's adorable. Uh, The first year, he was a Ghostbuster, and I was a ghost. Last year, he's a very whiny dog, as we all know. Last year... I made him this little felt outfit that was, so he was a bottle of wine and I was cheese. So I had this like brie cheese on. Um, This year we went there yesterday and he was um, a cop and I was a robber. (laughs) And this makes it even better. The cop costume I found at a thrift store and it was like, a slutty lady, like, look at my <laughs> boobs costume. But my dog is so, he's like 55 pounds. He's so fat that it fit him. And then he has this, like, fluffy chest that just, like, came out of the shirt. Like, a dog Burt Reynolds cop. It was hilarious. <laughs> did, and we did... lost. Again. But that's okay. Because he looked hilarious. He does look hilarious. I also, so that's what I did yesterday, and then real Halloween is next week. Although, when you guys listen to this, it will be almost Christmas, I think. So, travel back in time with us. Um, I'm going to be traveling to see uh, my boyfriend at real Halloween, and we were talking about going as Bob and Linda Belcher to a Halloween party, but he's like, I don't know if my friends are having costumes at their Halloween party. Uh, Which we both think is lame, so we might just dress up anyway. (laughs) Um, Which is hilarious. Uh, We make... I mean, anyone who spent any amount of time with me can understand the parallels to Linda. The only person I've gotten called more than that is... uh, Do you watch The Good Place? Yes. Yeah. We've had this conversation. Yeah, Clint and other people have said that I am uh, Eleanor from The Good Place. <laughs> Whatever, Clint, you're a cheaty. Uh, I think I jokingly told Clint he was a uh, Jason Mendoza. <laughs> we have talked about The Good Place a lot. I love that show so much. Well, uh, I... I went to a dogween party and um, Oki dressed up as sushi, but there was another dog and that dog dressed up as a sushi chef. And no we way. really should have coordinated with those pet owners because it was too perfect. Oh, that is so cute. Also, I love that because I have a cat named Sushi. So when you said he dressed up as sushi, my first thought was my cat. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I dressed him up as your cat. I dressed my dog up as a cat. (laughs) So, Emily, do you have a story to tell me? I do. Um, I'm really excited about this one. I kind of had it on my list for a while and was like, I don't know if this is enough to turn into a whole episode. And then I started researching it and I was like, oh, fuck yeah, this is awesome. I mean, it's not awesome. It's like gross and terrifying. But uh, suffice to say, I could turn it into a whole episode. So, Jennifer, today is going to be one of our favorite days. Do you know what day that is? Besides drinking mimosas in the morning day? It, yeah, besides, I mean, listen, every day is drinking mimosas in the morning day, <laughs> if you're dedicated enough. 
You can do anything you want as long as it's some, as something you are willing to do and you put the time into it. This feels like some, like, this feels like if you had a child, that is something you would tell, like, a six-year-old. If they're like, listen, your teacher told you you can't hit people anymore and that you'll get in trouble you do if you do. But, like, you can do anything you want as long as you're committed. Go for it, kid. <laughs> like, they're like, thanks, mom. Uh, well, uh. I get, is this one of these things where you're going to make me do a lot of guessing? No, absolutely not. I'm too excited for that. Okay. Jennifer, this is old-timey disease day. Oh, it's poop day. Well, not necessarily, but poop, poop does come into this story, but not in the way you expect. <laughs> uh, we're going to talk about... The a disease that has hilariously a bunch of funny names. So let me know when you figure out what disease this is. It's been called Scorbuck, Scorbo, Scorbuto, the Scorbutic Tang, which is my favorite, uh, Scarby, Scurvy. I mean, I know, I know about scurvy. Yep, we're talking about scurvy. Or the scorbutic tane, which I love so much. <laughs> <laughs> Emily, uh, you, you are a scorbutic cane, whatever aww, that looks like. <laughs> thank you. Oh, well, you know what? You're going to know. Um, probably most of us are aware of scurvy. It's kind of a funny thing that we think of, oh, you don't eat a lot of you don't get enough vitamin C, and then you become a pirate. Um, and that's true, sort of. <laughs> yeah, that's how it happens. Yeah. So this is how pirates are actually made. Um, you're, <laughs> you're a totally normal person living your totally terrible living in the past life, doing your totally, I don't know, like, cleaning shit out of the streets and... I don't know, maybe you do some leather work. Eating rocks. Yeah, yeah, eating, eating rocks. And, and then one day, because you haven't had real food and you're just eating, like, rice that probably has some sort of dangerous mold growing on it or around it, probably near some rats as well. You might just be eating the dangerous mold, right? You've already run out of rice. Now yeah, you're you just could, eating the mold. You could just be eating the mold and the rats. But anyways, you're, this is your <laughs> life. And you've gone so long without real food that you develop a vitamin C deficiency... And then all of a sudden, like, you have an earring in your ear, and you got mm -hmm. a weird hat, and a ship appears in front of you, and they're like, come aboard, matey, and you're like, fuck, I'm a pirate. God damn it. Like, no matter how much you wash your face, your eyeliner doesn't come off, and Ever. it's underneath your eyes, too, yeah. And and then, you know, you think about it every morning, it's like, I didn't ask for this. I didn't ask for the eyeliner. Could I be the one pirate without the goddamn eyeliner? Yeah, you have a scarf around your head that you can't take off. Um, yeah, it, it's like dying at wearing a certain outfit and having a certain look when you're a vampire. Like if you're gonna die by vampire, you need to make sure you look damn good that day because you're gonna look like that forever. That's true. Yeah, you don't want to be a ghost or a vampire in a hospital gown forever, right? Right. Um, yeah. So the end stage of scurvy is uh, puritism, which is just terrible. Uh, it's a real tragedy. <laughs> Uh, and also, this disease is fucking old, uh, which is why there have been pirates forever. Um, one source I read suggested that it, it took off during the Agrarian Revolution, which was like 12,000 years ago. So the Agrarian Revolution is like people figured out how to like make farms. Okay. Um, and, <laughs> and what are even oxen? Uh, I listen fuck those fucking beasts um <laughs> mean old cows or something um yeah they're like hey if you put these seeds here and then you like pee on them or put water on them they grow into things you can eat awesome uh but so the agrarian revolution had two things that probably 
like tons of diseases come out of this. And one is that if you don't have to move around looking for like plants and shit to eat, everyone can kind of stay in one place and make a city. And so people were finally like dense enough that contagious diseases could move back and forth, which scurvy isn't one, but that's just some interesting things. The other thing about scurvy though, is because people learned how to grow grain, they would live off of stored grain in the winter and that does not have vitamin c in it so that happened i also, totally called it totally I called am, it with the rice i yeah don't eat don't live off rice um this whole when i was researching this i just kept being like why didn't i learn about this in history like the agrarian revolution is so important to so many things and i think it got like two lines in history I learned so much shit about, like, the founding fucking fathers and the pilgrims that isn't even real or true. Like, what is going on in education? Fucking pilgrims. Ugh, stupid. Well, no one said that you had to tell the truth in history books. Really, they're just looking for fiction writers that are willing to tell the story of empire, right? Yeah, that's true. Anyway, um... That is a different episode. <laughs> that's a different podcast. <laughs> yeah, that's a, Jennifer and Emily are angry about school is a different podcast. Um, but so scurvy is probably even older than that. It's we have written descriptions of scurvy that are older than fucking Jesus. So eat it, Lord and Savior. Um, eat oranges, please. Don't get scurvy. Well, blood does, no, blood does not have uh, vitamin C in it. So if you are, you cannot live off of the the host, the heavenly host of Jesu. But that um, shouldn't stop you from drinking the, the wine that is the blood of Christ if you do communion. I guess that's true. Yeah, you could, I think wine probably has a little bit of vitamin C in it. So you can live off the blood of Jesus, but you can't live off the body. Yes. Good to, yeah, we're learning all kinds of things already. Um, we have a written description from Egypt that's from 1500 BCE. There's another one in England that dates back to like 2200 BCE. The oldest one, the oldest evidence of scurvy that they've ever found was found in 2016. This is only three years ago, which is incredible. Um, and that dates... Um, they think it dates from 30 to 3800 BCE and they found it in Egypt. And this evidence is actually a skeleton. Um, and it's the, uh, it's a skeleton of a one-year-old child. And if you're wondering how we can see scurvy and skeletons, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you, chill out. Let me, I'm going to halfway do a science. So half point five science one over two science <laughs> and look at that math um and you're doing a math you're doing a math and a i'm science. doing a we're, math and a science we are very stem today yeah we're stemming it up mm -mm -mm. so vitamin c we've said uh if you don't get vitamin c that is what causes scurvy and the reason why is that vitamin c is an important part of an enzyme and an enzyme works as a catalyst for things in your bodies so one thing that this particular enzyme does is it helps with the production of collagen um, and it also has a job with neurotransmitters and neurotransmitters are hormones and stuff that help your brain transmit signals via electricity. And that's not going to be super important for us today. So there you go. Now you know what a neurotransmitter is. Collagen sounds like something that would be on like makeup. Like you go to Sephora and they're like, this lipstick has collagen in it. So you'll look like you're... 20 instead of 54 and but it buy it actually do anything at all but it does because it has collagen in it so it's... that's why it's 80 dollars jennifer see the, i love going into makeup stores and doing a science in makeup stores <laughs> i know doing a science in makeup stores is kind of a bummer although i will <laughs> say i got this uh serum that you like put on your face before you put on like all your other stuff and it's like, this is an anti-aging protein, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I 
highly doubt that it's going to like anti-age me, but it does make my skin look great and fantastic and feel wonderful. So I'll take know. it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm like, that's all I can hope for. Thanks. Anyway, real collagen, um, it actually does play an important role in connective tissue and that goes all the way down to like your veins. So what happens when you don't get enough vitamin C and you get scurvy is that it affects like you, your body basically starts to dissolve like all the way down to your blood vessel walls. They just, it's like if you have something solid and then it slowly gets holes and becomes like a sponge or something. Um, and this happens to your bones, your connective tissue, everything. So when you get scurvy, you get joint and bone pain. Like I can't even imagine what your bones hurting feels like. Um, that sounds terrible. A lot of the accounts I read and you can find firsthand accounts of scurvy. It's pretty easy, but they mentioned knees, your knees and other joints would swell up really big. Your skin will bruise, like if someone touches you, if you turn your head. Some sources just say you just lay there and you just bruise. Um, places where your body has made repairs, this gets repeated a lot because it's so horrifying. Like if you broke a bone, like you broke your arm and it healed. So all of those heal, those repairs become really weak. Um, so like the sources would say that like old wounds or those breaks would just open or break. Like oh, they would God. become so weakened. Yeah. Your teeth loosen, your gums bleed. Like it's just super terrible. Um, you smell really bad. I posted this, I read this book like years ago at, like before we even started this podcast and I posted this excerpt on it on Facebook because like I read it and it was so horrible. Um, the book is called Island of the Lost Shipwrecked at the Edge of the World and the author is Joan Druitt. And I'm just going to read this passage. Um, quote, small black spots would appear on their arms and legs, then run together until the limbs were entirely purple black. They were afflicted with severe pains in all their joints. Limbs that had broken and healed years before would suddenly break again with agonizing results. Gums would become spongy and teeth fall out. Blood would trickle from the eye sockets and nostrils. The sufferer would begin vomiting bloody matter. A ghastly death as the brain swelled and burst inside the skull was inevitable. Oh, that sounds like zombies. Right? It really does. And those the black spots that they're talking about are from you start hemorrhaging underneath your skin. So zombie and spots. Yeah, it really would look like zombies because, and actually, um, I saw a picture of someone with scurvy and it did like, you know, the zombie makeup where people like, it looks like they have black blood on them. That's what it really did look like that kind of makeup. But yeah, so you hemorrhage under your skin because your, your blood vessel walls are literally dissolving. The mucous membranes bleed, so anywhere that you're soft, like the inside of your nose, your eyes, your mouth, probably that means your anus and vagina, although I didn't see anything like that, but mucous membrane is those things too. So that's just deeply horrifying. Um, the first sign of it, and again, this is like every creepy disease that we have starts off this way, so the next time we all get colds, we can be like, oh God, I'm going to die of scurvy. Um, but the first sign is lethargy and it like people just feel tired. And I mean, a lot of times if you have scurvy, you're probably starving anyway, but yeah, people get like more and more tired until they like, can't even be bothered to get up. It is literally um, every single disease we talk about. Every are you, are you feeling single tired? disease. Yeah. Well, you could have scurvy <laughs> or cancer or, or anything or alien oh. syndrome. <laughs> Alien, yep. <laughs> Your bones have been replaced with silly string. Oh no. <laughs> oh god, that's a horrifying image. Uh huh. <laughs> and then when you sneeze, it all comes out of your nose. Uh. <laughs> um. Another. So the lethargy then becomes debilitating. This is another quote. Um, that describes scurvy. It says, "Quote: It was an ugly, smelly death." To 
beginning with rattling teeth and ending with a body so rotted out from the inside that its victims could literally be startled to death by a loud noise. Jesus. And the thing where I said it's a smelly death, that's true. I saw that in, like, every account over and over that they would describe it as fetid breath. Like, really, really bad. And it's, I mean, if you think about it, your mouth is literally dissolving and rotting. So, you, that's what you smell like. Like stink. Like death stink. Yeah, like... Mouth dead death stink. I can't even imagine. Like, I've don't think I've happened upon a dead animal that's been, like, baking in the sun, but I imagine that's what smells like coming out of your mouth. So think about when you are are too drunk and you vomit in the mo- at night, and then you wake up in the morning and you haven't brushed your teeth. It's like that and, like, something in your refrigerator that went bad and, like, a dog fart coming out of someone's <laughs> mouth. Well, we'll just throw some... Um... Like, baby diapers that have been sitting in a trash can for at least a week. Yeah, a little bit of, like, um, a little aroma of, like, if you have your period and you forget to take the trash out for too long. Yeah, a little bit of that. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, That's gross, but that's true. (laughs) So, I do, there is one more, like, description of scurvy that I want to give you. And I found this out of a article um on called dis like the it's distillations magazine which talks about like the history of science and stuff like that and it's a great article i would highly recommend if anyone likes this episode to go read it um from the show notes that we'll post in our facebook group um but that article quotes this historian stephen bound and then i also read parts of his book as well um and stephen bound has this first-hand account from a surgeon on a boat in the 1500s. And this is what the surgeon said. Quote, it rotted all my gums, which gave out a black and putrid blood. My thighs and lower legs were black and gangrenous, and I was forced to use my knife each day to cut into the flesh in order to release this black and foul blood. I also used my knife on my gums, which were livid and growing over my teeth. When I had cut away this dead flesh and caused much black blood to flow, I rinsed my mouth and teeth with my urine, rubbing them very hard. And the unfortunate thing was that I could not eat, desiring more to swallow than to chew. Many of our people died of it every day, and we saw bodies thrown into the sea constantly, three or four at a time. I'm sorry. You rinsed your mouth with what? His own urine! Oh my god! I like how he says, the unfortunate thing is, I couldn't eat. Not that I put my own piss inside of my mouth. I mean, like, okay. I get that pee is sterile and everything, but it's still gross. That's still gross. I know, I know. Like... Can you imagine if someone's like, oh, yeah, rinse your mouth with your urine. You just have this cup and, like, as you bring it closer to your mouth, you're just like, no, no, like. I mean, I guess it's got to be, like, a pretty desperate situation. Yeah, I mean. I know. At that point, I'd just be like, I don't know. Should I just die? Kill kill, kill myself? Like, is this going to be easier? (laughs) Yeah, the scarbotic tain can take me. Yeah, it's pretty terrible. Um, And remember, I brought all this up because I said we can see it in skeletons, right? Well, none of this is skeleton. It's not doing anything to your skeleton yet. But so what's happening on a smaller level is that your bone... So because scurvy is breaking down your blood vessel walls, um, and this article said, yeah, you're chewing or even looking around and your blood vessels just break. And so to compensate, your um, body starts taking that, like, the tissue out of your living bones. And so it it does that to try and, like, take those energy or nutrients or whatever to, like, repair your um, blood vessels. And so your bone becomes really porous. And so they can find these skeletons that have... Like sponges, they have little holes in them, 
And if it's scurvy, they'll have it like in the jaw. And so that's why like your teeth fall out um, is because their your bone is dissolving while you're still alive. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it really sucked to live in a different time, didn't it? I know, I know. <laughs> um, humans, fruit bats, guinea pigs, and some other monkeys are the only mammals that can't make our vitamin C. Most mammals can do that. So like your cats and your dogs, they can make their own vitamin C in their body, but we have to eat it. So cool for you, jerks. It's... But- Vitamin C is also water-soluble, which means we can't store it in our fat. So you can't eat, like, 100 oranges, and your body will hold on to that. You'll just pee out whatever they don't use. So we have to eat it every day. So eat your potatoes and your Mm. broccoli. Yeah, actually. Oh, go ahead. Potatoes, absolutely. Like, one, you can live on potatoes. They have all the nutrients that you need to keep you alive. I'm not saying it's a good life. But potatoes actually were like, because potatoes are originally from America, and when they were introduced to Europe, they had a huge, like, an outsized impact on European peasants um, who would be dying from scurvy all the time, like land scurvy. Um, It's made such a big impact that um, after the potato was introduced in Scotland, there was basically, like... It eradicated scurvy and prior to that scurvy had been endemic which means that it's never not there so i guess this is sort of like uh kind of like the kind of like the cold you know <laughs> yeah <clears throat> except it doesn't make your bones dissolve it's also crazy to think about europe before trade with america because so many things came from america that you're just like Literally, what the fuck were they doing in Europe? Like, potatoes, tomatoes, squash, beans, horses, like, all this stuff, like, what what, what were you doing? Like, literally, you were just eating rocks, like. They, <clears throat> they were eating rocks and wearing wool and getting scurvy and yeah. killing birds. Seriously. Um, and so this is where, actually weirdly a very good transition because um the question is sort of why did scurvy get to be associated with boats and pirates and this is where we get into another thing of like literally what the fuck why did i learn about this in history the age of exploration so like the 1500s to the 1600s europe is like super into sea voyages to like look for quote unquote new world and like the Northwest Passage, which is a stupid, boring thing that once again, I learned about so much and is pointless. It doesn't even exist. (laughs) Anyway, so one of those names that you (laughs) might remember (laughs) from that part of your childhood institutional hazing is Jacques Cartier. Yep. Maybe. Yeah. He quote unquote discovered Canada for France. I'm doing discovered in air quotes because we all know that no Europeans fucking discovered anything. They just came and essentially like peed on it like little stupid dogs. You don't own the house, Felix, just because you tinkled on it. Um, anyway, so Cartier is French. He's a mariner because that's a job you could have back then. Sure. Mariner. Um, rock farmer, gum, <laughs> gum cutter outer, and mariner. Um, in 1536 or and 35. Prostitute. And prostitute. Oh, yeah. The world's oldest profession. How could I forget? Um, yeah. Sex worker, rock farmer, gum gouger, or mariner. Or maybe you do a hybrid. <laughs> You're a sex worker mariner. <laughs> or... Or your sex worker by night or day, whichever shift gets you more money, and a leaper. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's right. Leper is also a profession in this uh, era. <laughs> I forgot about our fifth option. Man, you know, imagine the high school career counselors back then. They're like, well, look, you, you've got the natural aptitude for leperhood, but, you know, if you want to go the sex work route, you can 
just uh, you're going to have to really apply yourself. Uh, you, you're going to need to get some good test scores. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I think we can all agree you're you're not the rock farmer type. But uh, yeah, you've you've always got leopard to fall back on. <laughs> so, oh my god. <laughs> Cartier was lucky. He uh, he got into a good mariner school, which is just marrying someone who has enough money to buy boats. Yeah, fair enough. Um, and he made a one passage to Canada, and then he made a second one. And this is in this 1536-1535. He's on his second one. And he's, like, cruising along in this wooden ship. When, like, every, I live in Colorado, and it's getting snowy, In the first snowstorm, everybody always loses their fucking shit, and, like, forgets what to do, and Cartier has the same thing, but instead of skidding on ice, what happens, <laughs> which is really funny to me for some unknown dark reason, his three wooden ships get frozen solid in the St. Lawrence River. <laughs> Serves you right, motherfucker. So, like, think about if you're, like, making an ice cube and you put, like, a blueberry on top that's poking out of the ice cube. That's what's happening. But it's three giant wooden ships. <laughs> Not as good as a blueberry. Yeah. I don't know why you would put a blueberry inside of an ice cube, uh, but that was where my mind went. Um so this winter, they're up in Canada. They're um, not far from a settlement, an Iroquois settlement called Stadacana, which is now Quebec City. So they're on the east a little bit. Um, Wikipedia says the snow that winter was four feet thick. So they fucked. Um, and they're especially fucked because they can't go to Stadacana because their boss, Cartier, essentially like blank the entire settlement like they're like hey we'd like to trade with you and he's like mm, i don't know her and like sailed around them now they're frozen so cartier and his 110 men live in like a quote provisional fort which to me is just like a crap hole place so i don't know like sticks and like a hole in the ground where you poop i guess i don't know it sucks Especially because, like, think about these 110 men. They were probably just treating this as, like, a resume builder, you know, like, maybe a summer internship. <laughs> hey, we're going to look for the Northwest Passage. And now they're, like, literally stuck, frozen in place, uh, and... None of them are getting their PhD from Mariner School. Yeah, no, they're like, oh my god, I'm gonna miss the start date. Stacy's totally gonna go to Mariner Prom with someone who isn't me. I, I like how it was college and now it's high school. <laughs> we'll just keep regressing until they're in preschool again. How am I supposed to get my finger painting done now? Oh no, it's nap time. <laughs> so because they can't trade with the Iroquois and because they're just stuck there, they're also running out of food and they're just eating this terrible hardtack. Which is literally like old biscuits that rats eat and poop on. And that's seriously. Like one of my sources made a quote about like how they eat these biscuits that have like the dirt that the vermin made on it. So they're just eating old poopy biscuits in the snow. Tasty. Mm-hmm. And wouldn't you know it, scurvy shows up. So their gums blacken, their mouth stinks. They're so tired that they don't even want to eat the poopy biscuits anymore. <laughs> this book that Stephen Bound wrote had said that after several weeks of this, weeks, the men start to die off. 25 men die and they're like, well, we don't know what to do. So they stack them, quote, like brittle cordwood in the holds of the ice lock ships or stored them in the compound of the primitive fort. So imagine that. It's already like the worst fucking month of your life. You're starving. You're sick. You're exhausted. It's freezing cold. Your boss is a dick. And now you get to lay around with snow piling up, staring at the face of your dead friend. Plus, you have no fucking clue why everybody is getting sick and dying. It's it's honestly, it's like a horror movie set in space. Like, if this was the plot... <laughs> Of a movie of people, like a, an expedition of people going into space and getting sick like this, I would I would watch it and be terrified the whole time. I mean, there there are a couple of movies, right, where there's like space plague, but space plague, 
but <laughs> I know. But Space Plague, you're right. Like, this is equivalent, like, creepy, right? Because it yep. would be Space Plague to them. They're like, I don't fucking know, and god damn it, we're trapped. Yeah, it would be like Space Plague. They're trapped. It will take months and months for them to get home. They can't communicate with anybody. I mean, it would be like being on the moon and suddenly getting diarrhea and not being able to stop. <laughs> Which we've talked about before. Yeah, but not on the moon. Oh. <laughs> All right, let's stop thinking about that. Um, I'm picturing anti-gravity shits and it's making me sad. <laughs> So Cartier is like, all right, fuck this. I'm taking charge. And he's like, let's do an autopsy. We're there. Cartier decides to do his own science. Well, he's not the one cutting them. He's ordering one of his men to do a science. So they, they do a science, and this is what they find. And I'm going to quote it again. Quote, the disease that racked them was unlike any they had experienced before. The crude autopsy, which is exactly what you want in an autopsy, right? Crude. The crude autopsy revealed a, quote, white and shriveled heart surrounded by, quote, more than a jugful of red date-colored water, end quote. From the corpse's internal cavity issued dark, tainted blood, while the lungs were very black and gangrene. After the surgeon had done his work, unfortunately uncovering little practical information about the disease or its possible cure, the remaining men hastily buried their comrade at as best they could in the frozen ground, end quote. So even then they decide to cut someone open and they're like, fuck, his heart is white. I don't know what's going on. Yeah, I, I'm curious about what kind of answers he thought he could get from that. Like, did they think it was a parasite? <laughs> like, I don't know. I've, I, it wasn't in this book, but I saw a source that said that around this time was also when they were still, they were trying to get out of like the humors idea of of sickness in medicine so like oh your bile is up you better drink this urine or oh you have you know your humors are all out of whack get better bleed you like this was kind of like the end stages of that so maybe they thought that they'd like open it and they'd be like ah here's a humor that's weird <laughs> why is the humor here the humors aren't normally there yeah the green humor should be on the left not the right yeah, I need to rebalance my humors right now. Does that mean drinking some more mimosas or farting? It, it actually means water, but... Oh. <laughs> I, I guess I could go with farting. Well, you have to drink the water and fart at the same time. That's the balance part. <laughs> so you might be wondering how we have this. I mean, for one, Cartier, and um, he he's writing this, right? Um and they also, some of them survive. And this is how they do that. So one day, Cartier sees some Iroquois strolling along. And even though, in true European explorer dickhead fashion, he was like, it's the Indians' fault, we're sick. He sees one guy, and he's like, hey, wait a minute. Haven't we met before? You're the dude with the swollen legs. And this guy is like, yeah, bitch, my name is Damagaya, and I did have swollen legs. Here's what's up. So Damagaya and these two women bring some branches, which is probably white cedar, if you're wondering, and they make a drink and they're like, drink this tea, you animals. So the soldiers or the sailors do. Um, it apparently tasted shitty, but they're drinking it and like throwing it on their legs and stuff. And within six days, after weeks of this, within six days, they're cured. Because you only need one milligram a day to reverse scurvy in adults. That's like nothing. I mean, unless you're pregnant or you have AIDS, you have to worry about that. But um, yeah, you really don't need a lot of vitamin C. And that's all you have to do is get vitamin C because scurvy is a deficiency. It's not like a communicable disease where you have to do anything else. So all the men who are alive and able to do this tea, they're able to return to France. And Cartier even makes a third trip. So after he gets back, he's like, you know what? It wasn't so bad. I'll go back. Fucking nuts. Um, and this expedition in 1536, this is totally common. Um, and again, why didn't we learn about this? Um, it said that basically every explorer that you could name was touched by this. Um, Vasco da Gama lost 116 of his 170 men. 
probably to Scurvy. Magellan lost 208 men out of 230. Henry Hudson, Francis Drake, Samuel de Champlain. All of these people wrote about scurvy. Like, all these names that we know, they dealt with this. The problem was so common, I saw this stat in two places, that ship owners and governments assumed a 50% death rate from scurvy alone for their sailors on any major voyage. That's insane. From the 1500s to the 1600s, or 1500s to the 1700s, um, and I saw one that said from the, for all the way up to, um, the 1800s, scurvy killed around 2 million sailors, more than where warfare, shipwrecks, and syphilis combined. They should have drank, uh, tea, the mm-hmm. tree tea. I mean, honestly, when I think about it, you probably could just drink regular tea. I bet any tea leaf has some kind of vitamin C in it. Basically, any plant has vitamin C in it. Yeah, just eat some grass. Yep. In 1740, um, and I said that there's an article that I really liked. Um, this distillation article, like, went through this story in detail, and I almost recounted it, but it's just, it's so good. You guys should go read this. But So they talk a lot about this. Um, in 1740, um, this Englishman, George Anson, is hired. This is literally what he's hired to do sail around the world and just fuck with the Spanish. Like, they're like, we want you to go all the way around and we want you to piss off the Spanish. And he's like, done. Got you. <laughs> so he has three ships with around 1,200 men going from England. By the time they make it to this pirate's hideout in South America, literally what it was called, um, there were only 335 men left. And most of them had died from scurvy. This article said that at one point they had to abandon one of the ships because they literally didn't have enough people to man it. So they got drunk on all the officers' booze and lit it on fire. <laughs> They're like, fuck it, we're dying! Burr, burr, burr. Like, <laughs> what, what a bunch of frat boys. I, what even is the past? Like, can you imagine <laughs> just being like, well, so many people have died, let's have a rager. Before the scarbotic tane takes us to, yeah, all right, Brad. I mean, I guess I understand that mentality, but also... But also just, like, eat some fucking fresh food. Which, you know, they couldn't do. Yeah. On those, on those trips. Yeah, so the George Hansen uh, expedition is really famous, and it does get brought up quite a bit with scurvy um, because of the high death toll. And if you want to read that article, you can find out what happened. And so you're thinking to yourself, okay, but that's 1740, but uh, Cartier's trip was in 1536, where they found out about the tea from the Iroquois. So we're just going to be drinking our cider tea and it's all good, right? Yes. (laughs) I like how you're like, I'm not going to say right because I know that it isn't right. (laughs) (laughs) So here's another twist that makes scurvy really frightening. We keep finding and forgetting the cure. So... Nearly every article about scurvy mentions this, and there has to be a name for this psychological phenomenon. And if there isn't, you know what? Feel free to name it after me. But basically, we have all these records of people saying, here's how you get rid of scurvy. And people believe it, and then they forget about it. And then scurvy crops up again. And then they figure it out. Like, they have to keep rediscovering it. Um, In 1747, James Lind, and this is when people think about, like, the cure for scurvy. This is usually where we go. Um, he was on a ship and he did a a controlled experiment. And this is one of the first records of a controlled experiment too, um, with sailors. And so he has all these sailors with scurvy and he gives some of them limes and lemons. So that's one group. Another group gets hard cider. That seems to me to be the luckiest group. Um, a third gets a drink of spicy barley water, mm, seawater, is another group. The seawater sounds like a terrible one, because if you drink seawater, you're just going to be sick. Um, And another group got some spoonfuls of vinegar or sulfuric acid. Okay, terrible. So the ones who got limes and lemons uh, were so cured that they were able to help the other sick ones. And the hard cider people got better too. So Lynn was like, well, I don't know, maybe this, maybe that. Um, The hard cider is made from apples, obviously, so there's probably some, like, trace vitamin C in it. 
but this is what people usually cite as being like, oh, we figured out scurvy. So give people citrus and it's fine, right? No, because that was in 1547 or 1747. But in 1579, we have a Spanish friar who's making the same recommendation. In 1593, the explorer Richard Hawkins said the same thing. In 1614, um, this guy named John Woodall is the fucking Surgeon General to the East India Company. And he publishes a literal handbook, a literal handbook to being a ship surgeon and says, eat fresh food or citrus. <laughs> Remember how I said that expedition in 1740? Uh, George Anson, where everybody died before they made it to South America. Yeah, even that guy, George Anson, was like, yeah, we got to get citrus whenever we can. And yet, I'm just going to read the quote from this article that I love so much. Quote, scurvy appeared among members of the Arctic explorations of the 1820s and miners during the 1848-1850 American gold rush. Florence Nightingale reported entire shiploads of cabbage being tossed overboard during the Crimean War of 1853 to 1856 at the same time that soldiers were perishing from the disease. The cabbage had been sent specifically to treat scurvy, but thanks to bureaucratic snafus, no one had ordered it to be distributed in men's rations. The disease plagued prisons, refugee camps, and prisoners of war in the 20th century and emerged among the babies of wealthy and educated Americans and Europeans in the late 1800s and early 1900s because of pasteurized cow's milk. The heat had destroyed the vitamin C. Doctors at the Bay State Medical Center in Springfield, Massachusetts, recently reported that between 2010 and 2015, they had found at least 30 cases in one of Springfield's poorest neighborhoods. End quote. So we keep learning what scurvy is and how to get rid of it, and we still can't get rid of it. You can still see it in refugee camps and among the homeless a lot of times in, like, modern time. Um, I browsed, I did an academic search, um, and you see a lot of scurvy articles in medical journals to this day. And I think part of it is because it's rare. It's not like we're all on ships. Um, but there's articles about it presenting as a it looks like some kind of skin condition. Um, they call it the far gotten in quotes. Um, there was one that article that was called doctor, your septic patients have scurvy. Um, they talk about scurvy and alcoholics. Um, it is still ha a lot of those articles seem to be like, it's linked to something else. So like people who are essentially on a white diet, like people who have really bad IBS or, um, who only eat, like, rice and bread will get it. Um, but, yeah, there were, like, pictures where it looked like people had zombie makeup or, like, freckles, but it wasn't freckles. It was, like, blood vessels breaking, just, like, little red dots all over their face because of their hemorrhaging under the skin. Yeah, it's, in it's insane. It's still going on. Citrus is obviously associated with vitamin C. This is the other thing that's crazy to me. But you can also eat literally any fruit it has vitamin C in it. You can eat an onion, cabbage, broccoli, potatoes. Liver or kidneys have vitamin C in it, but not other meat usually. Um, thyme, spicy peppers, bell peppers, green vegetables, parsley. Honestly, even a candy bar might have trace amounts of vitamin C in it if there's some <laughs> actual cocoa or nuts in it. Like, you do have to be kind of difficult to get scurvy you have to work for it or be sick yeah or only eat poopy crackers <clears throat> don't eat poopy crackers nobody wants that yeah probably don't do that um i only have two well three fun facts to end on scurvy because again why did we learn all about the northwest passage and pilgrims when we could have been learning this um in 1795, a doctor named Gilbert Blaine um, told the British Royal Navy that they have to give lemon juice to the sailors. And they were like, okay, dude, we'll do it. And um, this article said that it might have changed the course of history because what Great Britain did was set up a blockade of the English Channel that lasted for 20 years and that prevented Napoleon from invading England. Jeez. And he says that if, if they had had scurvy on those ships at that time, um, then they wouldn't have been able to do that. And the, the blockade probably would have broken down. 
If you wonder why people sometimes call British people limeys, this is also um, a holdover of scurvy days because at some point in history, British soldiers were issued limes to prevent them from getting scurvy. And so that's um, likely where that name comes from. People call them limeys because they ate limes. Uh, well, that's, a, that's like calling like, hey, pizza. <laughs> I know, right? But pizza doesn't prevent us from getting sick. It just makes us happy. <laughs> uh, pizza. Uh, feel free to call me pizza. Pizza is also, after I had named Felix like a year later, I was looking at him and I was like, oh my god, it would have been so funny if I named him pizza. Like, just imagine this weird, bouncy, whiny dog named pizza. You're like, pizza, pizza, come here, pizza. <laughs> So that's my wish, that I had gone back in time and named him Pizza. Missed opportunities. I know. Missed opportunities, indeed. Um, But yeah, so eat something other than bread, and you'll be fine. I like that lesson. Yeah. I don't think cheese has vitamin C, but I bet milk does a little bit. Probably. Probably. I think I think that I think that might be true. I well, so I don't know if you remember. Um, uh, no, I, apparently it doesn't. Um, so when I yeah, it does. It has vitamin C. It has small amounts, so enough to prevent you from getting scurvy, but not enough to like help you a lot. Um, but earlier I was saying that we found a skeleton in 2016 that has the oldest record of scurvy. And that was the same year or the same week. This article I found that was talking about it in Forbes was saying that the same week that we found this, there was an infant in France that was diagnosed with scurvy because their parents were only feeding it almond based milk formula, which which is some science exploitation by some stupid fucking vegan, if I've ever heard it. And one of the reasons why I said that is because um, breast milk, human breast milk usually has vitamin C in it as long as the mom is getting enough vitamin C. Um, And also, like, you can't just give babies whatever you eat. Like, babies have different nutritional needs because they're not real people yet. They're baby people. They'll be they'll be real people one day. They'll be real people one day if you feed them vitamin C and K and all that other weird vitamins babies need. Yes. Otherwise your baby will get scurvy. Yeah, it makes me sad to think of a baby getting scurvy. I don't like babies, but I don't want them to be like piratized that young of an age. Oh sorry, I started yawning. Oh, that's a very serious yawn. It's not because I'm bored by the idea of pirate babies. <laughs> I just haven't gotten a whole lot of sleep this weekend. <laughs> pirate babies with, like, ti- a tiny peg leg and a tiny sword that they wave around in their hands that they can't control yet. Tiny, yeah. tiny gold coins that they hide about the house. They can't say arg, but they're still really good at screaming and crying, so that's close enough. Yeah, honestly, I've never thought about the parallels between pirates and babies before, but they are there. Well, we've solved another one. We've yep. solved pirates and babies. <laughs> You're welcome, America. We've solved babies. <laughs> Terror is written, recorded, and produced by two amateurs, Jennifer and Emily. Our sound editor is Clint. Intro music is by Cosimo Fogg. Come chat with us on Twitter at All Things Terror or Instagram at All Things Terror Podcast. Ask nicely and we'll probably send you a really cute sticker. If you like this podcast, tell a friend or write a review. It really helps us and helps more people find us. Goodbye forever.
Hello. I like how we leave this moment of silence for Clint. <laughs> he did request it, I think. I think he's like, do this thing to make it easier for me. And we're like, we forget every time. <laughs> well, uh, I would like to think of it as a pre-moment of silence for Clint. For whenever uh, yeah. he does eat, meet his demise by your hand. <laughs> uh, that's that's very kind of you to honor him with a semi-silent, a moment of semi-silence. Yes, a semi-silence. Uh, I also like that it's sort of like a triumphant silence for my eventual victory over the menace that is Clint. The Clinton menace, if you will. I wonder, uh, do you think he has a logbook of all the insults we hurl at him and he's like... <laughs> One day, I will show you all. Well, as much as I would love to see that logbook, because I think it would be hilarious, um, I, I'm i going to go with no. Like, when Clint and I met in college, they used to call him the baby seal, because one, he, did, he just had these huge eyes and this, like, round face. He looked like a baby seal, but he also, like, everyone just picked on him so bad. Um... That I, I honestly think our insults don't even dent his heart, his black, cold heart. That makes me sad. I know, we gotta try harder. I know. Well, I'll start warming up a little bit more so I can get some good insults going. Yeah. Uh, well, I will tell you... Um, you're, you'll be proud of me. Last night, uh, we've talked several times before about how I haven't seen a lot of classic horror movies. And last night, I had a night in and I was knitting and I decided to put on a classic horror movie that's now on Netflix. Do you want to guess what it was? Children of the Corn. No, haven't seen that one still. Pet Cemetery. Nope, haven't seen that one Child's still. Play. No. Oh my god, what? Carrie. <laughs> Well, that's a good one. That's a good. One. I was, I was right. I was in like the Stephen King zone. You were. You really until I were. went to Child's Play. You were in the Salem's lot of movies, if you will. Um, <laughs> yeah, I will say. It feels, in some ways, it feels a little bit dated, and part of it is just because there's so much that I knew about the movie. Like culturally, everybody knows Carrie at the prom. Blah blah blah. Like. We get what that is. And it, it's so, like, 70s, and, like, the weird, like, porny scenes of the girls in the shower and, like, John Travolta's whole character is so, like, hilariously, like, dated. But it's also one of those movies that I watch it and now I'm like, oh, my God, so many movies are trying to do this. Yep. That, like, I can't even imagine how horrifying that would have been to see in the theater when it first came out. And Sissy Spacek was so good and so perfectly cast in that movie. Like, her eyes are insane. Like, when she's covered in blood and all you see are these giant eyes of hers, I'm like, oh, my God. But then there are other times where, like, her face, she looks like she's, like, this eight-year-old little innocent girl and, like... She was just perfectly cast in that movie. It was it. She was very impressive in it. Yeah, I I really like her performance, and I think like you're right. There's something about the intensity of like her expressions that build throughout the movie, and then finally, mm -hmm. when you get to the blood scene, it just totally unsettles you because it's an entire transformation. Yeah, it is, and. I also like that I'm talking about this movie like no one else has. Like, it's a revelation. I'm like, have you heard of this movie, Carrie? This is C Spacek. Keep an eye on her. It um, just came out, like, several years ago. Yeah, like... Decades a ago. A whole generation ago. <laughs> but yeah, it is... Um, I really liked it. It was a little... It's a little cheesy now, so it was really fun. Um, it was It was a fun one to watch for the first time, like in my 30s and I was like by myself knitting it's dark out it's getting stormy and I'm like this is so perfect this is when you watch a horror movie <laughs> <laughs> while you're knitting 
Especially well, knitting, not yeah. Not the yeah. part where it's dark and stormy, but the knitting part is when yeah. you watch a horror movie. I also think that, like, of all the things that I've heard about that movie, people really downplay how creepy her mother is. Like, that was one of the scariest things. Like, any scene with her mom in it, I was just like, oh my god, this bitch, what now? I know, she's the worst. Yeah. Totally called the ending, though. I knew it. I knew it from the first scene. I wonder how you knew it. Actually, I didn't know that part. I mean, like, I know the, like, they throw tampons mm-hmm. at her. I know the prom. But the very last, not the very last scene, but the one in the house. I did. I did know that. I like how I'm hiding spoilers from people. Like, <laughs> hey, this movie is 40 years old, but I don't want to ruin it for you. <laughs> I mean, I guess there are still people, <clears throat> Emily, who haven't watched it, so. Yeah, it is It is kind of fun to do this uh, tour of classic horror movies with you and our listeners. So, I'm reading, so we were talking about this um, murder walk that I went on earlier before we started recording. Like yesterday, not this morning. Yes. Uh, yeah. So I went on a murder walk, and it was to tour the uh, murders of the Servant Girl Annihilator, and then he had another name, the Midnight Assassin or something like that. But um, I just got a text message. I just got a, I just got a text message, and one of the people I went with sent me the bill because we just had her get the ticket, and it was forty dollars a person. So just for the five of us, it was like two hundred and twelve dollars. Oh wow! And she's like, I think we're in the wrong line of business. <laughs> no shit. Uh, I I have thought about this often uh, because where I lived in Baton Rouge was close to New Orleans. Speaking of which, I have to tell you a story about that soon. Uh, But Baton Rouge did not have ghost tours, but New Orleans had tons of them. And I kept thinking, like, I should just start, like, a side business giving ghost tours, like, walking tours, walk around the campus or something. Because the South is a terrible place, so of course it's full of ghosts. Right. But here's the story I was going to tell you about New Orleans. Um, I was at the library the other day, which I go to all the time because I'm a nerd. And they have, my library has like a section where you can buy used books, like, and you just donate to the library. And I was just looking there because I'm on a budget. So of course I want to shop more. Uh, (laughs) Like when I have endless money, I'm like, I don't need anything. And when I'm like, watch your money, I'm like, spend it all. Um, I'm a defiant piece of shit. Anyway, um, so I was looking there and I saw this book and I gasped and picked it up. And it's like Haunted Tales of New Orleans, which is, I already own a couple books like that, of course. But this one was like written in like 1990, first of all, which is awesome. And it's, like, co-authored by one of these, like, steampunk dudes that, like, gives the ghost tours and this, like, vampire-looking lady who started the, like, New Orleans Paranormal Society. And, like, you just flip through the book and there are all these pictures of them, like, recreating spooky scenes and talking about, like, the things that you would see on the ghost tour, which, like... Awesome. I've been on these ghost tours. Clint and I actually went on one together. And it's just so beautiful. It's like cheesy and campy and spooky. And on the back, the author picture of this lady, like this is how intense she is. I swear to God, you can see her nipple. Like (laughs) she's got a low cut dress on and her nip is poking out. And I'm like, what the fuck? This is, I have to own this. So I take it up and like where you check out books and she's like, oh, it's just cash over at that little honor box over there. And I'm like, okay, cool. So I go over there and I'm like, oh shit, I don't have cash. (laughs) So I like put a quarter in there and like ran away, was like, I'll pay it later. (laughs) So it kind of stole this 
insane ghost book that involves a human woman's nipple from the library. And then when I got home, I found out that it was signed. You you (laughs) did a crime. I am proud and ashamed of myself at the same time. (laughs) Did you read it? Like, did you read it at all, or did you just look at it? Oh, no. I can't hear you, Jennifer. What's happening? Oh, no. Okay, can you hear me now? Okay, what about now? Oh, yeah, now I can. Okay. Sorry, Clint. Yeah, did you... you... Were you pooping? No. My phone put itself on mute for some reason. Rude. Um, did you read the book? I I haven't read it yet. I've, like, looked through it a little bit, but, like, every time I do, I'm just, like... So... I'm so excited. I'm, like, overwhelmed with the... I just... There's this special part of my heart that only (laughs) gets excited, that only beats for really cheesy, campy stuff. And it's, like, this excitement. Like, anyone who's ever seen me around a drag queen will totally understand. Like, I just get so excited and, like nervous and like uh like that is like the the part of my heart that only beats for things like that and like those shirts that you find at thrift stores that are like covered in sequins or like anything that's just over the top and cheesy and aware and lovely I am a part of me comes alive and so like every time I sit down to read one of those stories I just get like too excited and I just flip through the whole book (laughs) It's been a little overwhelming, frankly. (laughs) So, just to recap, you have stole a book. (laughs) From the library. (laughs) From the library. Because of a nip poking out just a little bit on the back, and it being a cheesy ghost story book, and you still haven't read it. It's, I mean, this only happened, like, yesterday, so it's not like I've been, like putting it under my pillow every night for weeks. Uh, I mean, I bet you are now going to do that. (laughs) I mean, it's so incredible. Is it? I'll post, I'll post a picture in the group because this is truly the best thing. Like everyone who, anyone who likes our podcast uh, will almost certainly also love this book that I found. I mean, did you, is it, currently underneath your your pillow right now uh, of course not <laughs> uh-huh uh no it would never be i can't wait to see a picture of this it's just so great it's incredible but anyways anyways um 